In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I welcome you to the First Baptist Church of Oregon City Worship Podcast. Out of a love for our neighbor, a concern for the most vulnerable among us, and a desire to lessen the load on the healthcare workers of our community, we are continuing to suspend in-person worship services due to the COVID-19 virus that's ravaging our state, our city, our nation, and our world. But in the meantime, while we may be spread apart for worship, we are still united in the love of Christ. 
because this is the fourth Sunday of the season of Advent. And our focus for this Sunday is love. We know that God loves us because of Jesus Christ, our Lord, and we are united in this love through the Holy Spirit. And so wherever you are this morning or whenever you are listening to this worship service, as you sing, as you pray, as you hear God's word read and proclaimed, understand through ways that we don't fully understand that we are all worshiping together because we are worshiping the same Jesus through the power of the same Holy Spirit that unites all of God's family. And we are glad that you are worshiping with us. We pray that you would be experiencing the love of God in your life in ways uh, that are expected and, and in the places where you normally experience God's love, but also in the unexpected places where God's love bursts into our world in new and beautiful ways. A few notes for you. If you are listening to this before the 20th of December, 2020, at 11.30 a.m. Pacific time, you are invited to curbside communion. Yes, on the our church is at the corner of 9th and John Adams in Oregon City, and on the 9th Street side of the church, we are going to be having curbside communion. What is curbside communion, you ask? Well, you'll pull up to the curb and you'll see me and Jim and Melissa standing there uh, with our masks on and gloves on, and we will serve you communion and we will lead you through the communion service. We do have little, uh, little cups that have uh, a sliver of bread and a sip of grape juice in them, um, but I'm going to be real honest. It's not very appetizing. Uh, <laughs> It, it, the bread doesn't taste like bread. The grape juice barely qualifies as grape juice. Um, but we're happy to serve that to you. It's prepackaged in a sterile environment. But if you want to bring your own bread and grape juice or coffee and donut or milk and Oreos, uh, you are, are more than welcome to do that in the, the safety and comfort of your own car. Uh, and we will lead you through the Lord's Supper. Uh, and then you can drive on and uh, and go about your day. Uh, but again, that is uh, the 20th of December at 11.30 a.m. Pacific time, um, and there will not be a Zoom coffee hour on the 20th of December. This is the week of Christmas. Uh, Christmas is on Friday, and Christmas Eve is on Thursday, and we have things that are happening both days. Uh, those are contained in your What's Happening email that you should have gotten on Friday. If you didn't get a What's Happening email, the Christmas Happenings flyer will also be on our Facebook page. Uh, and if you want one via email, you can email our church at baptist.church at comcast.net, and we'll be happy to send you a copy of it. Uh, and next Sunday... December the 27th, we will have a worship service podcast, but we will not have Zoom coffee hour. So again, all of those details can be found in your Friday email or by sending us a note at baptist.church at comcast.net, and we'll be happy to get that information out to you. This morning, as we worship, we do so in spirit and in truth 
and in the love of Jesus Christ and worship knowing that there is a community of people who are worshiping together within our church, within churches around Oregon City, the state of Oregon, around our country and around the world that are all united by the same love of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, the whole meaning of Christmas can be explained in one little four-letter word, love. You sent your gift of pure love to us that first Christmas. Love descended from heaven to be born of a virgin. Love lay in the scratchy hay of a manger in a meager barn in Bethlehem. All of your love, God, was robed in the delicate skin of a baby and wrapped in swaddling clothes. This final week of Advent help us to reflect on the magnitude of love that was made manifest in Jesus. Your word became flesh and you made our dwelling among us when Jesus was born. You set aside all glory and splendor of heaven and chose the most humble way to enter into your kingdom. Beneath the stars, surrounded by all the hosts of heaven, love came. Welcomed by an earthly mother and father, shepherds and wise men, love came. You are King of kings and Lord of lords, Messiah and ruler of all. Yet you came not as a lion, but as a lamb. You came as an innocent baby whose purpose was to walk this earth in complete love and then to sacrificially give his life as an atonement for the sins of his children. Emmanuel, God is with us, love in the form of a man. The greatest gift of all came that first Christmas. It wasn't wrapped in a beautiful package and set under a decorated tree. The greatest gift came wrapped in the flesh of baby Jesus and laying in the rough wood of a manger. Our perfect gift would later be rewrapped in the scars of our sin and nailed to the rugged wood of a cross on Calvary, all because of love. Father, this final week of Advent, fill our hearts and minds with the significance of that truth. Thank you, Lord, for loving us enough to send Jesus. Father, we lift up to you our prayer requests. We remember we remember those who are battling illnesses and there are many you know their names and you know their circumstances others are suffering from loneliness possibly bitterness or anxiety caused by covid in a depressed economy all need a touch from you you are the great physician and have the power to heal you can heal physically mentally and spiritually Yes, you can do all of that, but help us to be attuned to you for your will to be done. Father, you love each and every one of these persons, and it is your desire to wrap your arms around them to show them your love. We thank you, Lord, for all the prayer you have already answered. Give all of us faith to believe in the power of prayer and rely on your timing, not ours. Be with our youth as we approach Christmas Day. Give them insight into what this day really means. We thank you for their leaders, and I pray they follow 
the leading of the Holy Spirit. Bless our congregation as we approach the day we celebrate the birth of our Messiah. May each member find hope in his coming, experience peace in his coming, be filled with joy in his coming, and experience his love in his coming. Be with our pastor today as he brings us a message on love. May the words he speaks be from the Holy Spirit. And as always, may this podcast be a blessing to all who hear it. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Worship Christ the Lord, let all
Hear the word of the Lord. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. I will sing of the Lord's unfailing love forever. Young and old will hear of your faithfulness. Your unfailing love will last forever. Your faithfulness is as enduring as the heavens above. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the first hell can separate us from God's love. Let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them, let them sing joyful praises forever. Spread your protection over them, that all who love your name may be filled with joy. For you bless the godly, O Lord. You surround them with your shield of love. Just as I swore in the time of Noah that I would never again let a flood cover the earth, so now I swear that I will never again be angry and punish you. For the mountains may move and the hills disappear, but even then my faithful love for you will remain. My covenant of blessing will never be broken, says the Lord, who has mercy on you. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, your creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through the spirit. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commands, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. 
Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my command. Love each other just as I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into his love and keep you strong. May you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Then you will be made complete in all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Our scripture reading for the morning is the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And this morning we'll mostly be dealing with the last portion of it. Um, but it's such a beautiful passage. It is read at so many weddings for very good reason. It's because it's beautiful. Um, and it's it's one of the finest, one of, one of Paul's finest chapters in any of his letters. Um, and, and it's always good to read bigger sections of scripture to get context. Um, so here is 1 Corinthians chapter 13, <clears throat> and I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. If I could speak all the languages of earth and angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way, it is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. 
but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I now know is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. Three things will last forever, forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I realize that I have talked about food quite a bit in sermons recently, but indulge me one more uh, food illustration. I was in college and we would have campus ministry gatherings. We would gather for worship every Wednesday night at 9.15 because you're in college and you can get away with that sort of thing. And if you had a night class, it wasn't going to be over until uh, nine o'clock anyway. And so 9.15. By the time that it got over, it was always you know 10.15 or 10.30. But we would snack because again, we're college students. You're young. You can get away with that sort of thing. Um, now, if I drink a cup of coffee and eat a handful of anything uh, past 10.30, I'm not going to sleep until about four o'clock the next morning um, because I'm getting old. So, so we're having our snack time and uh, my friend Nathan was enjoying a handful of chocolate sandwich cookies. Now, the brand name of these is Oreos, but these were not Oreos. These were not Hydrox, which actually were invented before Oreos. <clears throat> no, these were the Kroger brand and possibly the Fred Meyer brand because it's the same company. And they are called Kiddos. And, and so they look like Oreos. But a fellow named Steve walked up to Nathan as he was eating his Kiddos and said, Nathan, how are those kiddos? And Nathan, in, in one of my favorite, like, quick responses he's, he's ever had, Nathan said, they're tolerable. And I think that says a lot about, it says a lot about kiddos. But it also says a lot about when we have a shadow of the real thing. And you may not think that there's a ton of difference between kiddos and Oreos, and you'd be wrong. <laughs> there is a, a big difference between kiddos and Oreos. But we also have to understand that when it comes to when it comes to what we've been talking about in Advent, we have been talking about things that we understand now partially but that we will love and understand fully when Christ returns. The season of Advent is awaiting the arrival of Christ. And it comes before Christmas because on Christmas Day, we, and, and we, sell it, we start on Christmas Eve, just to be fair. But on Christmas Day, we celebrate the birth of Jesus into our world. And in Advent, we anticipate both the birth of Jesus into our world and, and recognize that coming, but we also eagerly await the return of Jesus bodily, physically into our world to transform our world, to 
renew our world, to renew our bodies, resurrect the dead, and reign over us here on earth in the age to come. An age that will have no end, that will last forever. And Jesus will be our king, and we will see God face to face, and God will rule over his people, and death will be put away. And so as we come to the final Sunday of Advent, I want to talk to you a little bit about love. Because love is, is one of those things in our world that is, sadly, I think, um, grossly misunderstood. And we use love in, we use love and we abuse love and we talk about love and, uh, and we have all sorts of ways of talking about love. But when we read something like 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we get a different picture of love, that we know what love is now. And in a little while, when, when Christ returns, we will know what love is fully. In the meantime, we have to acknowledge some things and come to some truths about our love as humanity. One of those truths is that our love is partial and incomplete. We only get part of the picture of love as human beings. When we practice love, it's not in the fullness of love because we are broken people made in, in the image of God, but broken nonetheless. And Paul even says, if you look at uh, especially verses 10 through 12, but when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will be useless. He says, when I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child in verse 11. And in verse 12, he says, now we see things imperfectly like puzzling reflections in a mirror. And when we love as human beings, we may do our best to love, but our love is not perfect. When we get our loves out of order, which we do quite frequently, something happens that could probably best be described as idolatry. The way that our loves are supposed to work is that we love God first and foremost. We love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. And our foundational love for our lives is God. And then everything else gets built on that. And if, if I had to just off the top of my head, put my loves, what I, what I hope my loves are in order, it would be the Lord, my God, my wife, Katie, my church, my mother and sister, my friends, and Fulham Football Club. And, and that's the way that I hope that my loves line up. But sometimes things slip in there underneath my love for God. Or sometimes things will slip in underneath my love for other things and it'll throw those relationships out of whack. 
because our, our love is supposed to begin with the love of God. And when it doesn't, everything else gets off kilter. And it's real easy for things to get off kilter. We as humans are great at making idols. And idols and, and when we have these loves that are in the wrong order, they're not things that are, are necessarily bad for us to love. We've just put them in the wrong order. I can, can and should love myself and take care of myself. But when I put the love and care of myself ahead of the love and care of others, and even ahead of the love and care of God, that's narcissism. And I start to put myself at the center of the universe. If I would put Katie at the center of my universe, yes, my love for her would seem strong and intense, but also ultimately it would be out of order and it would be fractured and become something horrifying that it was never meant to be. Because even my love for Katie is not supposed to be stronger than my love for Jesus. And you can go on and on with, with a list of things that, that can get out of order. Um, you know, love for country should never come before our love for God. Love for food, love for chemical substances, love for our hobbies. Even when, when people say things like, oh, Christmas is all about family. No, Christmas is all about Jesus. It's nice to have our family be part of our celebration of the arrival of Christ into the world. But if we put family in the place of where God ought to be, that's an idol. And as humans, our, our love has consequences. If we love something that is inherently violent, we're going to become violent people. If we love something that is going to cause us to be greedy and selfish, then we're going to become greedy and selfish. This is the danger, as Jesus pointed out, of loving money. This is the danger of, of loving things in this world, of putting things in this world ahead of God that will pass away. Because ultimately, when Christ returns, we'll have no need for money. But if we spend our whole lives worshiping money, then, then what have we made as our God? When, when Christ returns, all of our national boundaries will break down. And so if we've put our country ahead of our God, if we've worshiped America more than we've worshiped Jesus, then when Christ returns, when we, when we see Christ face to face, we'll very quickly realize that we've had our priorities out of whack. And as we're living our lives, the love of money, putting money as our God, putting our country as our God, putting our family as our God, that's going to have consequences of who we're becoming. But because God's love is perfect, when we love God, when, when we are worshiping God and God is the focus of our love, the foundation of our love as human beings, 
then our lives start to look like God. Because God's love is perfect. In the second half of all of those verses, Paul tells us about this perfection that's coming. In verse 11, he says, but when I grew up, I put away childish things. In verse 12, he says, then we will see everything with perfect clarity. And he goes on to say, all that I now know is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. And God's love is good and it's perfect and it's complete. And God is love. John tells us that in his first letter is that God is love. God doesn't know how to be anything else but love. God's very being is love. And so when the foundation of our love, the the worship of our lives is wrapped up in the love of God, that's who we start to become. Not that we become gods, but our lives start to look like God. In the Old Testament, the idea of of God's love was, was often described as his faithful commitment to Israel, his people. We, we saw God call Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 and, and rename Jacob Israel uh, in the later chapters of Genesis. And God delivered his people from slavery in Egypt in the book of Exodus. And, and so here God is loving and caring for his people, no matter how many times they strayed away from him. God loves and cares for his people. The word is chesed, and it means the faithful commitment of God, that God doesn't give up. And so we see this throughout the Old Testament, and then we see it in the New Testament when Christ is born, because God's faithful love doesn't just lead him to to stand as the king of our world, but outside of our world, God enters into our world, born as one of us, so that we can know what love, what God's love look, looks like, what God's faithful commitment to us looks like, what God's care for us looks like through Jesus Christ. And the ways of Jesus When we watch Jesus living, Jesus is living as someone whose life is built and motivated and focused on living out that love. That's what a life filled with God's love looks like. And so because of that, we await the love supreme that comes to us through the arrival of Jesus. Yes, we we await the birth of Jesus at Christmas time. But we also wait for this day when Jesus will return to our world and we won't have these part shadows of love. Our loves will not be things that we can we can experience very intensely and things that we can commit our lives to. But ultimately, our brokenness doesn't allow us to fully experience. Because God's love 
will be real and it will be right in front of us. And God's love will transform our world into the world of the age to come. All of the things that are temporary, all of the things that have set themselves up as important in our world, all of the things that demand our allegiance and loyalty and love in our world, if those things are are not based in the goodness and love of God, they'll pass away. Because God is ultimate love. God is ultimate goodness. God is ultimate peace, ultimate joy, ultimate hope. Because as Paul says, three things remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of those three things is love. Because when I love somebody now, as a follower of Jesus on earth, I have limits. I am bound by by my earthly existence that someday will pass away. But when Christ returns, if I am alive, I will be transformed. If I am dead, I will be resurrected. And Christ will return and we will experience this love completely. And there won't be any brokenness about it. I won't mess up. I won't be getting things wrong like I do here in this present age. Because I'll still be here, but I'll see Jesus face to face and I'll see my God face to face. And I will experience that love that I've been talking about and trying to live out my whole life. And so how do we do this? How do we live out the love of God in ways that that look like God, that look like Jesus, the living embodiment of God's love because Jesus is God? How do we do this? Well, when Paul writes 1 Corinthians 13, he has framed it between two chapters about spiritual gifts. The the Corinthian church is very interested in what the gifts from the Holy Spirit are. And Paul has framed love right in the center of it. And when we see love as a spiritual gift, it changes our perspective. It's like when you go to the eye doctor and he's got the little thing and he goes, okay, which is better, one or two? And you're like, oh my gosh, I've never seen anything the way that I've seen with with two. Um, My eyesight is rubbish. And so I experience this every year at my annual annual eye exam. And so a spiritual gift, however, comes when we are filled with the Holy Spirit. It comes when we have given our lives to Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so as we allow the Holy Spirit to increase in our lives, the love of God will also increase in our lives. When we put away those things or or reorder those things in our lives that are out of order, those loves in our lives that are out of order, 
the Holy Spirit increases because those things are getting put in their proper places. And we do this through prayer. We do this through allowing God's word to speak to us. Side note, a lot of times we open up scripture expecting to take something out of it. But how many times do we allow scripture to take something out of us? Just a thought. But we also need the church for this because our brothers and sisters in Christ, if we allow them sometimes brutal honesty, but loving honesty into our lives, they can point out things that are out of order in our lives. We need to forsake false loves that don't look like Jesus. We can sometimes give our loves to things that aren't deserving of our love. We can give our loves to things that make our, our behavior, our practices, the way we treat other people, even the way that we see God and the way that we worship God corrupted because we're corruptible beings, we're broken. And if we're putting things in the right place, if we're putting things in the right order through the power of the Holy Spirit and the increase of the Holy Spirit in our lives, there might be things that we need to let go of. There might be things that we thought we dearly loved, but in the light of the perfect love of Jesus, we have to let go of. And again, this is work that we do individually, but this is also the work that we do with, with a trusted brother or sister in Christ. And we practice tangible love by letting love lead in our lives. A lot of times we read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, but we don't read on to the first verse of chapter 14, which tells us, in its first sentence, let love be your highest goal. Our goal should, have, should be for our lives to fully reflect the love of Jesus, to radiate that love of Jesus out into our world. But we can't just do that by thinking lovely thoughts about people. We do that by making sure our actions and our attitudes are formed by the perfect love of Jesus. And we turn that into action based on love. It is shockingly easy for our loves to get out of whack. And if you're listening to this and, and you realize that there are some things that are, are out of whack in your life, don't, don't be hard on yourself because God is love. God is interested in helping you and leading you through this process of reordering your lives around God's love. This is who Jesus is. And God is so interested in us knowing him. And God loves us so much that he became one of us so that in our human way, we could see another human whose life radiated God's love 
and we could follow that human and practice his ways and believe in him so that the love we have now in a little while will be transformed into the perfect love of God when Christ returns and loves us face to face. We come now to the Lord's table. And if you are listening to this before 1130 AM on December the 20th, 2020, and would like to come to our church for curbside communion, um, remember that you can pull up in your car on 9th Street, and we will be set up there to serve communion. We'll also be observing the Lord's table now. So if you are listening to this later or uh, are not able to make it to curbside communion, um, you can still celebrate the Lord's Supper with us. Uh, it is the same Lord's Supper that is celebrated, that has been celebrated by followers of Jesus for centuries and unites us all who call upon the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. The table of bread is now to be made ready. It is the table of company with Jesus and all those who love him. It is the table of sharing with the poor of the world with whom Jesus identified himself. It is the table of communion with the earth in which Christ became incarnate. So come to this table, you who have much faith 
and you who would like to have more, you who have been here often, and you who have not been for a long time, you who have tried to follow Jesus, and you who have failed, come. It is Christ who invites us to meet him here. In this, we proclaim to you a mystery, that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ is coming again. Let's pray. Loving God, through your goodness, we have this bread and cup to offer, which has come forth from the earth and human hands have made. May we know your presence in the sharing, that we may know your touch and presence in all things. We celebrate the life that Jesus has shared among his community through the centuries and shares with us now. Made one in Christ and one with each other, we offer these gifts and with them ourselves a single living act of praise. Amen. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. Looking back at what Christ did for us on the cross, take and eat. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. Looking back at what Christ did for us on the cross and looking forward to when we will drink this anew when Christ returns, take and drink. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's pray together. Purify our conscience, almighty God, by your daily visitation, that your son Jesus Christ at his coming may find in us a mansion prepared for himself, who lives and reigns with you and in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We thank you for joining us for worship this morning. It is our hope and prayer that you have experienced and and, and through ways that we don't understand through the Holy Spirit, felt God's love this morning. That you know the love of God who unites all of us and you know the love of his people who care about you. If you're having trouble with love, feeling loved, loving yourself, or or feeling isolated from people that love you, please get in touch with the church. Our website is onebaptistchurch.org. That's the numeral one, baptistchurch.org. It has all of our contact information on there. There's a place where you can email us. Uh, it has our church phone number on there, and we would we would be very willing to reach out to you in the love and grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'd like to thank our director of worship and youth, Melissa Mellinger, for leading us in music this morning. I'd like to thank Jeannie Vance for her prelude. I'd like to thank Jim Leatherman, our church moderator, for leading us in prayer. 
I'd like to thank Katie Witham for leading the First Baptist Church readers in our creative scripture reading. And I'd like to thank our audio engineers, Gary and Doreen Hunley, for making everything sound good. And remember, love God, love your neighbor, wear your mask, and wash your hands.